Joining me now is Joel Blank, host of The Joel Blank Show, weekdays from 1 to 4 p.m. on ESPN 97.5. And we go back a ways. 15 years ago, me and Joel lived through the worst season the Rockets had. Joel, I think this was the worst season in the last 35 years. The Rockets had, what, 28 wins that year or something like that? Yeah, it was it was pretty excruciating to get through it and then have to try and put a positive spin on it every single night. But we did our best with what they gave us because the roster wasn't exactly full with uh, star talent. Well, I, th- I thought I would do maybe 20 minutes with you on what's wrong with the Packers, but I'm going to be nice because it's the holiday season, Joel. So I want to talk some Rockets with you. What do you think of uh, point guard James Harden? And, and are you okay? Are you okay with the turnovers if he give, gives you the double-digit assist? You know, he's putting up whatever it is now, 30 and 12 a night. Yeah, I definitely think you have to be okay with it. I said before the season that I predicted James would have an MVP-like a statistical season. I thought that D'Antoni's system was the perfect fit for him to flourish, not only by still getting his points, but because it's so wide open and it allows him to get into transition and fast break opportunities so quickly that he could find teammates that would finish near the basket because James had plenty of opportunities last year to get a lot of assists, but those assists were predicated on him kicking the ball out to the corners and the three-point shooters, and the Rockets, quite frankly, didn't have the shooters to be able to fulfill the other end of the deal after James got him the ball. Then he got frustrated, tried to do too much. The turnovers went up even higher. This year in D'Antoni's system, it's a perfect fit for him. But the thing that I always challenge uh, listeners to, to look at with James Harden is, not only is he putting up the numbers he's putting up, but is he making his teammates around him better? Because that's the true sign of a superstar in this league. Now, I coined the phrase analytical superstar on the show because – He got his numbers last year like an analytical superstar, and you can't argue with those, but there's a reason why he was left off the first three teams of all NBA and that he wasn't very popular amongst the players in the league because of the fact that it was a me, me, me thing with him. And he always always had that war going with Dwight Howard, which showed that inside the locker room there was more turmoil than there was sunshine and rainbows. So this is a big test year for James. That's why I thought he'd have such a breakout season and another MVP-like year. The big thing is, does he make his teammates better? Does he give them more wins at the end of the year to get into the playoffs? And then can they advance? And those are all big questions that still remain unanswered and all remain to be seen based on what the Rockets are able to do. And obviously they're starting the season with 14 of their first 20 on the road. They've got off to a decent start. But the thing that really concerns me is the fact that they don't have any low post players that have low post scoring abilities so that you can balance the floor between the fast breaks and the three-point shooting. And when you really need a bucket, go down low, throw the ball in the post, and see one of your big men go to work. They had that with Demo last year. They had that to an extent with Dwight last year. They have no one that can do that this year. Ryan Anderson is a stretch four, as we all know. And Clint Capella just isn't there yet in terms of having offensive moves down in the block. If you're a coach, are you okay with these uh, the turnovers where he throws the ball you know, half the length of the court on a fast break. And it it seems like it's not a guy that's wide open. He's sometimes trying to throw it over a couple of defenders. Is that the kind of turnover that you're okay with as a coach if you're trying to speed the pace up? Or do you think D'Antoni says to him, hey, enough of of that, and let's just, you know, try to make the basic pass and and do that sort of thing? Because I noticed one thing that's different about him this year is I don't see as much the bounce passes through guys' legs in the paint. Of course, you know, he's, he doesn't have Dwight to, to do the pick and roll with, but it seems like he's taken that out of his game a little bit. I think it's all, you touched on it, Robert, but it's all based on what Mike D'Antoni wants because he does want an open flowing system. He does want a fast-paced offense. He does want fast breaks. 
but he also has to be cognizant of the fact that sometimes when guys get to be too, too carefree and start freestyling turnovers like that happen. So it's going to be all based on what D'Antoni wants and what he thinks he's getting out of his offense. I think overall, the big thing for D'Antoni is that everybody's still trying to get used to him and his offense. So early in the season, you're probably going to be more forgiving of turnovers like that. Later in the year, you're probably going to have to clamp down and make a statement on turnovers like that. So I think that in the early stages of this season, they're probably going to be a little bit more forgiving and they're going to be a little bit more kind of open to the fact that those things are going to happen as everybody settles into trying to get used to this new uh, fast paced offensive set. Um, but at the same time, the thing that concerns me is you look at the, uh, the final minute and a half of the Washington game the other night. And it, what concerns me is they don't do a good job taking care of the basketball at key times in the game. Uh, they had a, they had like a nine to an 11 point lead with about a minute to play and threw the ball away three straight times, giving Washington hope. And that's something that has to be cleaned up. And it doesn't fall on just one particular coach or one part of the system. That falls on the team as a whole. They have to be more focused. They have to be more communicative. And they have to realize those are the kind of turnovers against good teams that can take a W and turn it into an L real quick. And in the hyper-competitive Western Conference, one or two games like that could cost you a seed going from a 7 to an 8, a 6 to a 7, or maybe even 8 to a 9 and see you on the outside looking in. How much of the difference that we're seeing in the offense and what James Harden's able to do assist-wise has to do with just the fact that they actually have shooters now, guys like Ryan Anderson and Eric Gordon, Gordon also that can create his own shot. Those are two offensive weapons that the Rockets just didn't have last year. Yeah, it's a it's a catch-22, Robert. It really is because – they obviously, based on what I, I said earlier about James and the fact that he was making those passes last year out to the corners and to the three-point line, guys weren't making shots. They knew they had to get shooters. Unfortunately and fortunately for the players, the salary cap went up. The opportunities to get paid were there. And the Rockets probably overpaid for Ryan Anderson and Eric Gordon. Now, that's up on a positive note because it gets you the shooters that you need on the perimeter that knock down shots, and they've both been very good about doing that. On a negative note, it also takes away a good majority of your cap because after those two contracts were signed, you realized Ryan Anderson was going to be the highest-paid player on your team, so you had to go and, and extend James Harden and extend more money his way to make sure that as the best player on the team, he is compensated accordingly. With doing all of that, it kind of cap-strung and handcuffed you in terms of what else you could do with this team. They don't have a lot of options to add another piece or two like they've had in years past, unless it's by a trade. Because of that fact, you have to make sure that those guys all stay healthy because we all know that Eric Gordon has had a long history of injuries and Ryan Anderson has had his share of, of bouts on the uh, injured reserve list. So you're very thin in terms of if those guys go down, where you find the extra shooters because their second unit really has a 25 letter alphabet with no J on it. There's no jumpers anywhere to be found. Tyler Ennis is a traditional point guard. Sam Decker and KJ McDaniels are great at spacing the floor. And periodically when left wide open, they might be able to knock down a three. But Decker went from a college three-point shooter to a guy that struggled with the NBA game ball and the difference in the feel and the weight of the ball. And then with some injuries, so he's still trying to find that feel again. Uh, Nene has become a guy that basically wants to face the basket. And you've never really had to worry about him being a shooter anyway. So you look at everybody that's out there and you look at what their options are on their second unit. The big key for the Rockets throughout the season is going to be their health. If they can stay healthy and keep Anderson and Gordon on the floor to space for James Harden, then they're, they're going to be successful. 
if they can't, and for any stretch of time, one or more of those guys is injured, it could spell a huge problem for the Rockets. You were around Clint Capella quite a bit. Everything that I've heard about him is he's, you know, such a hard worker. He's a great guy. I, I love Clint Capella as the person, as uh, the, what I hear about his work ethic. I'm just surprised a little bit that I haven't seen the improvement that I thought I would see. He still is having lots of difficulty finishing around the basket if he doesn't get the slam dunk. And then he also is, you know, beat a lot on rebounding. You know, it, it's not always the physicalness of it inside. I'm sure that's part of the equation, but I feel like sometimes he, he makes a mistake of going for a block where he just needs to block his guy out or keep his guy out of the paint. Are you surprised that we haven't seen more of a jump forward from Capella from year two to year three? I really am. I know that a lot of people put that, that ever devastating word of potential on Clint Capella. Potential is the kind of thing that can get coaches fired. If it do, if they don't see their potential, in a short period of time once it's been identified. And that's one of the things you're looking at Clint Capella right now. I read an article that I thought was interesting when they said that, uh, that Clint Capella basically was on a minutes restriction of about 24 minutes a game because they were worried about his endurance uh, and his ability to um, have stamina. And I thought, well, this is a 24-year-old kid that really is in the, not even yet to the prime of his career. How in the world would he have problems with his stamina? It makes no sense. And then you look at just his overall game. And I said for years when doing the Rockets games that the main thing with Clint Capella is he should try and dunk everything that he has around the basket because he is limited with his touch. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of feel around the basket. And he definitely, as we talked about earlier, doesn't have a lot of low post moves. So if he tries to dunk everything that's uh, near the basket, he's at the worst case scenario, he's going to get fouled. And the best case scenario, he's just going to finish and he's going to guarantee the ball gets through the rim. Uh, what you find from Clint Capella is a guy that kind of gets caught in the air and then mentally doesn't, he starts thinking about, should I dunk this? Should I lay it up? And that's where he has a lot of his indecisiveness leads to missed baskets and missed opportunities. Um, I'm also a little bit surprised he hasn't put on a little bit more muscle. I know that when they look at his frame and they realize that with narrow shoulders and narrow hips, it's harder for a, a big man with that kind of skeletal structure to try and put on weight and keep it because it can hit, cause your body to break down. I've always said he's more of a Serge Ibaka type than he is going to be a low post powerhouse type center. But at the same time, you still want him to get stronger. You want him to be more athletic if possible in terms of being able to hold his own when he's boxing out for rebounds. And of course, in Mike D'Antoni's system, he's got to be able to run the floor. That's why I'm a little bit concerned when I read that he might have issues with stamina. And I don't know why that would be. But I did expect more from Clint Capella this year. I think a lot of people expected him to not only start but flourish uh, at, with this first big opportunity for him, and he hasn't grasped it fully yet. Now, that could possibly happen still in this season, but for the time being, I think he's labeled a disappointment early in the season because of those factors. When we talk about him, we always have to bring up the free throw shooting. And, and this I wanted to ask you about this because I don't know if we necessarily know what all the Rockets are doing. Can, can, can you tell us – what type of stuff that the Rockets do because, you know, Dwight Howard had the issue. Josh Smith has the issue. Now we have Clint Capella, all three of these guys, not saying it's the Rockets fault, but I'm wondering, uh, you know, cause they all came in with these issues, but I'm wondering what are they doing beyond just, you know, practicing free throws because you and I know we, you watch them in practice. I've seen them in practice. This is between the ears with these guys. Is there, are they, are these guys seeing psychologists? Are they doing any of this virtual reality machines to try to, you know, su you know, sort of simulate, 
you know, shooting free throws with, with the crowds and pressure on the line and NBA courts. What, what are they doing? Is there anything else that they can do? Yeah, I don't know what they're doing this year per se. I know that Daryl Morey has always been open to trying anything and everything innovative to try and help his team to succeed. I know in the past they brought in shooting coaches. I know that they've had guys specifically working with shooting free throws with Dwight Howard and drills and different techniques that they could use to try and get him to to be more on target and to be more relaxed and you know to have more touch at the free throw line and some of the different t- techniques even go to like every time he started his shooting drills to start on the side of the basket and try and just work on from his wrist release and his finger release when he lets the ball go to hit the side of the backboard because if you can hit the side of the backboard and make sure that it's online because it's such a narrow piece of glass that, that definitely it helps you when trying to keep the ball online when keeping it towards the rim from the free throw line. Um, a lot of these guys, you know, it, it's crazy, but in, in practice, you know, they knock them down. I mean, I watched Dwight after practice, like I'm sure you have, but I used to see him shoot a hundred free throws after practice every single day and probably make 75% or more of them. Uh, when the bright lights go on and the crowd comes in, it's a different story. When pressure is in, involved in it, it's also a different story. I know coach McHale used to always take some of the guys that struggled at the free throw line. And at the end of practice, say that if the guys, if who so-and-so's at the free throw line, if you make the free throw, no one else has to run. If you miss the free throw, everybody has to run. And the pressure from your peers in situations like that, Coach McHale felt like was as close to trying to work on something that mattered to the player, like pressure in a game. And he thought that it would help to increase their ability to make free throws. Um, I don't know what they're doing now. I don't know if Mike D'Antoni has done anything differently. I don't know that the shooting coach is still there. Um, I do know that they've, you know, they've tried everything from the mental approach to the physical approach. Uh, but at some point it's on the player too. I mean, there has to be a way to find uh, some kind of common denominator where you can at least make 50%, but hopefully you can make more like 75%. I give the, the, the rookie from Louisville credit. He doesn't care how it looks, but he's going to shoot him underhand. And if he's going to shoot him underhand and make more than he misses, then more power to him. Um, everybody has their own vice and everybody has their own way of trying to solve that. I don't know that everybody has figured it out yet. Um, I also know that Montrez Harrell from time to time also struggles with it. So I know that they still continue to have free throw issues where we might see a hack a situation based on the way they shoot free throws. But, uh, you know, it's going to be an ongoing battle until these guys actually focus in their own spare time and try and do what's necessary too to try and help the cause. One last thing I got for you. Yao Ming makes the Hall of Fame a few weeks ago. You around the guy for years and years. What is your favorite Yao Ming story? What do you remember just about being around him on a daily basis too? I mean, I, Yao is one of the, the, the most kind, gentle giants you, you, you'll ever meet in your life. One of the nicest human beings on the planet. And I was so happy that he got in the Hall of Fame because we all know his career was cut short. And it could have been so much better, so much longer so much more successful, if not for the foot injury. Uh, but at the same time, when he was around, he made everybody that was around him happier and, and feel better about themselves. And he always was there with a smile and always with a quick joke. And, you know, I remember from being on a flight, one of the first flights we were on and getting to know Calvin Murphy and, and basically picking up Murph and, and, and putting him in the overhead compartment of the plane and just showing him <laughs> the difference in size can also equate to what he could do to, to Murph and, and Murph laughing the whole time. And, and I remember another time when he got engaged and he and his wife uh, were in, in the off season and we were going to 
film something. We're walking down the hall and he goes, Hey Joel. And I said, yeah. And he turned around and he goes, you realize my wife's taller than you too. And I went, boy, you really know how to make a guy feel good. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, then he would laugh. And you know, I, I, the one thing that I, I'll never forget is I still have them. I mean, for every year that Yao was with the Rockets, I got a hand signed Christmas card from Yao. And, and that's something that you didn't see from any other player in all the time that I was with the Rockets. And it's something that just kind of, um, solidified even more what a quality human being he is and, and what an ambassador to the game he has been. And that's why I think he's in the Hall of Fame and definitely well-deserved and, and a guy that's very well missed around the city of Houston. Yeah, I can't think of many Rockets that, that I've rooted harder for than, than Yao Ming just because you knew what a good guy he was. You knew how hard he worked and, you know, he was funny and he just he had everything that you wanted to root for and just such a team guy too. You know, everybody talks about it, but you really feel like Yao lived that Hey, Joel, thanks so much for doing this. The Joel Blank Show, 1 to 4 p.m. on 97.5 ESPN. Anything you got going on there you want to push for this week? Well, we're going to have Coach McHale joining us an hour a week throughout the season. So we started last week, so that's great. Uh, But, you know, what we'd like to say is is that whether you download the app or you listen online or you listen, you know, on the radio – uh, we're giving Houston fans a different opportunity to to catch up on all sports, talk about what they want to talk about. And in, in most cases where stations aren't talking about basketball, we continue to talk about the Rockets, the NBA, uh, as well as every other sport out there. So we like to have some fun, uh, but we like to make sure that we keep it pertinent to what everybody wants to talk about. And we keep it real with honest opinions. And just like I gave you, uh, when you don't work for the team, you have the ability to be a lot more honest about what you see and what you think. And I think people appreciate that. Hey, thanks so much for taking the time to do this, Joel. And I I know you're having fun with the little girl. She's always looking cute. Thanks for doing this. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Robert. Appreciate it. For more interviews, subscribe to Houston Sports Talk on iTunes. Or if you're an Android user, download our free Houston Sports Talk app in the Google Play Store. We're also available on Stitcher or the TuneIn app. And our website is HoustonSportsTalk.net.